We could have stopped right at Nancy's communion message. Like, that was so good, Nancy. Thank you so much for that. Be seated. Thank you. Uh, this is exciting. You're all looking very good tonight, Except, especially my wife. You look hot, babe. It's like the one time I can get away with it because I'm up here and she can't get me. But uh, we're, we're really are part of something truly special. And uh, we heard from Pastor Chris this morning, one of my best mates. Uh, and they've recently started two youth services on a Sunday morning, which is just so significant uh, for what's taking place down there. And, and also right now, you, you might not be aware, but we have a West location down in Jurak. Uh, and they've, they're doing their second week of a 5 p.m. service that they've just started. And one of my other best mates, Joey, is preaching right now at the same time I am. So this is like a significant thing taking place in the life of our church. And, and we were once the young guys sitting in these rows like you are, because everyone here is young tonight. And, um, and it just goes to show what, what can happen in a couple of years' time if you set your eyes on Jesus and, and chase after him. And, and I want to honor um, our amazing location pastors tonight, Pastor Sam and Carolina, because I'm the recipient and beneficiary of loads of grace from both of you. And, uh, and I, I've, I've written a little something down. Thank you for exemplifying Christ-like leadership to always create room for people, that, uh, that people can flourish, gifts can be discovered, callings can be chased, and Jesus be glorified. Thank you so much. And we all here would be the beneficiaries of their grace. So thank you so much. They set us up for every win that we could possibly have. And that includes what we're about to experience tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Step up and step out. And uh, I'm aware that right from the get-go, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And your version of stepping up and stepping out looks different to my version of stepping up and stepping out. But the point is that we've all got to step up and we've all got to step out. And what you might be called to, to step up, and it might be a stretch, and stepping out for you might just be normal every day for me. But what might be a stretch for me and a big thing for me to step up into and step out into might just be every day for you. And, and the point is, we just can't, we can't compare left or right about who's doing what and how they're doing it in the stepping up and stepping out process. But we do have to be faithful to what God is calling us to do when we step out and when we step up. Step up, step out. I'm going to get it mixed up. But you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and however which way we look at it, we, we have to really hone in on, on what God has asked us to do and be faithful with that. Uh, you know, for, for some of you, this might be really easy in just being going into your workplace, engaging your co-workers with the gospel. You know, for others, it might be just being a really present parent as you begin to parent children in different stages of their life. For others, it might be really big things. Uh, you know, it might be stepping up and, and starting that business. It might be uh, writing that book. What, whatever it is that God's now putting on your heart in this season, in the start of 2018, that He's calling you into, uh, we have to be faithful with it. We have to step up into it and we have to step out into all that He has for us. God has you where you are today for a reason and a purpose. You have a call on your life, God's hand upon you, His design within you, and and you've, we have to be faithful with that. And, uh, and I, I want to say what, what it's not, okay? Because stepping up and stepping out can sometimes, it's not always, um, how do I put this uh, nicely? It's not always extreme. It's not always extravagant. And it's not always glamorous. It's sometimes normal. It's sometimes the grind. And it's sometimes the mundane. 
but that doesn't make it any less what God's asked us to do. And so we, again, we have to be faithful with that. And so uh, uh, you, you got to know that if we're faithful with the mundane, God will be faithful with the miraculous. If we're faithful with the mundane, God will be faithful with the miraculous. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, but I want you to understand this, that being present as a parent could be the most significant thing you do with your life. Being a faithful employee in this season could lead someone to Jesus Christ, and that means that their eternity is not spent separate from Him. But it's just mundane, but I'm just trying to get you to understand that. Now, others of you, you're sitting here today, and I really felt to say this, that, that God's actually put some really significant things, and, and I don't want to use that word in light of the fact that the other things aren't significant, but I want, like, they're, they're big. They're like move overseas type big. They're like, you know, give millions of dollars to the church type big. They're like, um, whatever it is that, that, you know, you might be feeling called and prompted to do something that's, that's very, and God's going to be very clear with who that is and what that is that he's asking you to do. Because whenever he asks us to do something of that significant, that size, where it's the completely uprooting of something and moving into something else, or giving away a, a proportion of money that, that is substantial, like millions of dollars, he's very clear with that. So I'm not saying, but whatever it is that God is asking us to do, we have to be faithful with it, regardless of how it appears in its initial prompting or appearance. Okay, so we're going to look at a passage of scripture tonight uh, that, that begins in a very similar way with a, just a normal everyday request. Uh, and then it, it kind of goes from there and becomes something a lot more miraculous. And it's exciting. So if you have your Bibles in whatever form, electronic, paper, you're all welcome here. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 32. And we're, we're going to look at this story tonight and kind of just mine it for some truths into what it is to step up and to step out. And uh, I love looking, I love reading the Bible and, and, and it could just be me, but when I read the Bible, like it's not very far that I get into it where I'm already beginning to put myself in the story and, and see what it would be like to be in that moment. So I'm just going to highlight some things that have jumped out at me as I've read this passage of scripture. Uh, and, and, and I might actually highlight some stuff that didn't appear in the, in the words that are going to be behind me because we're only going to be reading from Matthew. But uh, there's two other Gospels, Mark and John, that also have this same story and they highlight different elements from different perspectives. So I might draw on those, but they won't be on the screen behind me. But you can look them up later in your personal time because we all do that every day. Amen. Thank you. Um, from the get-go, we're going to see Jesus in this story, start, middle, and end. And if you're taking notes tonight, that is the title of my message, start, middle, end. Because however we step up and wherever we step out into, it has to begin with Jesus. It's got to have Jesus in the middle, and it's got to end with Jesus. And so if you're with me tonight, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. And I mean that in the holistic sense for the 5 p.m. service that's happening at West right now, for Joey that's about to be uh, preaching, for, for everything in all our locations that are taking place. And Father God, tonight, for our time together, I pray that these words would be not just words, but they would be power also. And they would set people free. They would push people into destinies and they would heal people. They would minister to people because they would be utterances of your spirit tonight. Help me, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we find ourselves in this story. Jesus has come on the scene, and he's just 
had a really, it's like a roller coaster ride for Jesus in this chapter. Chapter 14 of, Ma, of Matthew kicks off and, and Jesus finds out that his cousin's just been beheaded. Like, it's like, hey, welcome to chapter 14. Uh, John the Baptist has just been beheaded. And so Jesus withdraws and the crowd of people seeking Jesus come and follow him. And then Jesus does this unbelievable miracle and feeds over 5,000 people. And we're at the end of this miracle where we pick up the story where Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people and he's, he's now addressing his disciples. And he says this, and it says this in verse chapter, in chapter 14, verse 22, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And the first thing I want to point out today, today and it's really simple, we could have missed it right there in that verse, but we have to listen to the instructions of Jesus. Like if we're going to step up and we're going to step out, can we please just listen to the instructions of Jesus? This is a crucial point and it'd be easy just to kind of overlook it. But the disciples didn't actually do something of their own accord here. They just listened to Jesus. And, and whatever it is that God's calling you to do and wherever he's calling you to go and however he's calling you to step up and step out, just listen to Jesus. And, and I think it's significant because uh, they're in a bit of a situation where there's a lot of other people and Jesus only gives them the instructions. Like nobody else, he didn't turn to the crowd and say, okay, guys, we're all going across the ocean, let's go. Like he just turned to the disciples. And, and so what Jesus might be saying to you could just be specific to you, but whatever it is, listen to Jesus. Get, he's giving you instructions. And, and that's really the first thing I want to point out. The second thing as we move down in the scripture is that uh, we need to dismiss the crowd. Let us not be so bound by the people around us that we can't actually do what Jesus has asked us to do. Don't heed, listen to, or give room to the opinions of the crowd. People always, people don't always understand what it is that God's always asked you to do because what God's asked you to do is, is for you. And they might not understand that. And that's okay. It's not bad. It's just that you can't give room to what people might say in response to hearing how God's asked you to step up or step out. And so we need to create a space that when, when Jesus speaks, we listen and we obey, even if that means, as the disciples are about to do, leaving the shores of uh, general consensus or popular opinion. Because I'm sure everyone there in that moment would have loved you to stay there with Jesus and have him continue just to provide food for them. It would have been like manna from heaven in the Old Testament all over again, which coincidentally enough, this is a kind of correlation in the new version of that in the New Testament, but you can study that for yourself. This is, this is what people would have liked in that moment would have just been to like, this is awesome, miracles are happening. But Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, we're going, well, let's go. And that, they had the option of going, but we could stay here and just enjoy this revelry for a minute, enjoy the victory for a little bit. And Jesus is like, come on, let's go. And so they did what Jesus asked and they hop in the boat and they begin to cross the ocean. The, the sea, the lake, whatever you want to call it. It's actually just a lake. It's not very big. It's about seven kilometers, seven miles, the Bible says, in, in diameter. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. The third thing I observe in this passage of Scripture as we move down, it says this in verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowd, Jesus went up to the mountain by himself and prayed. I think if Jesus which is our example for life, is making a point of draw, withdrawing to pray. Um, and it's, it's a priority to him. It should definitely be a priority to us. 
like we're talking about God in heaven who has made himself part of his, the very thing that he created and he still withdraws to spend time with God in his presence. And what's more significant and I think worth noting is that this is right on the back of a huge spiritual win. Like he's just made a massive victory for the kingdom of heaven, provided for people, like just broke every natural law that you can think of, like turned five loaves and two fish into a banquet for people to have even leftovers. Like he didn't just make sure that there was enough, there was an overabundance, like huge spiritual win. And the temptation in that moment would be to ride that momentum. But Jesus makes a clear point of pulling away in private, to be with God. That, that, that captures my attention. That captures my... Because so naturally for us, we, we'd take that momentum, we'd, we'd run with it. We'd go for it. We'd go, hey, God's with us, let's take the city. Like, and not that we shouldn't, and momentum's important, but we must never substitute momentum for the presence of God. Because what is built in private always makes way for you in public. What's built in the private place of your relationship with God as a foundation, and, and it's got to be personal. Note here, Jesus was alone. Like It wasn't like a, I came to church on Sunday. This is Monday morning before you go to work. This is Wednesday afternoon before you're in a lecture. This is you know, before every shift, and this is as you wake up every day, this is, and I'm not trying to put parameters or religious uh, expectations on you. I'm just trying to say that this is a natural thing, that throughout the, all the Gospels, we time and time again, we see Jesus pulling away to be with the Father, pulling away to pray, pulling away to spend time with the Word, pulling away. And we don't even get to see the first 30 years of Jesus' life when He's in a position of preparation. And how much he was studying the word and how much he was in the word and how much he was just being ministered to by the spirit of God in that moment. So if it's for me, man, this captures me. I go, I need to make this a priority in my life. We cannot step out in power without first stepping into his presence. We cannot step out in power without first stepping into his presence. And I I tell you, the world needs something of power that doesn't need, it doesn't need more words from a, from a bunch of Christians who just have another opinion. They need to see something of substance. They need for you to be able to lay hands of them in the workplace and see miracles take place. Not because it's anything special about your pains, but because you carry the very presence of God that that morning you were in, in your word. And then you can walk into your workplace with authority and serve that boss that maybe isn't the nicest person in the world, but because your faithfulness begins to speak to him and minister to him, you carry something of substance and power in that moment. Let's draw away. Let's, let's put, ourselves, put ourselves aside for a moment and, and continue to be in the presence of God. The fourth thing I, I observe in this passage of Scripture is that listening to Jesus can sometimes go against natural circumstances. As we read in verse, uh, verse 24, it says, But the boat by this time was a long way off from the land, beaten by the waves, and the wind was against them. There's a very natural circumstance in here. It's the wind, right? And the disciples are in the boat and they're making their way across just as like Jesus asked. And, and sometimes it can feel like that for us. We're w- doing the very thing that God asked us to do and we're against the very things that surround us. Natural circumstances seem to be coming against us as we're trying to go towards the thing that God's asked us to do, whatever that might be. But that does the, substitu- the presence of the storm doesn't uh, diminish the purpose of the call. 
The presence of the storm doesn't diminish the, the purpose of the call. God's still with you. God's still for you. Come on, I'm trying to build your faith tonight. God's still got a plan for your life. You might be facing some things and it coming against you, but that doesn't diminish the fact that God called you. God chose you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And He's told you to do the thing that He's asked you to do that you seem to be doing right now, but natural circumstances are coming against you. We have to continue to do the thing that God has asked us to do. We have to continue to stick to the last thing God told you to do. Mother Teresa, um, giving insight into years of sometimes of, of solitude with God and, and at times not hearing his voice for long periods of time, gives this insight. She says that whenever I was in these moments, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, but it's significant nonetheless, I just went back to the last thing I heard him tell me to do. I just went back to the last thing I heard him told him he told me to do. We're talking about a woman here who just like, And her solution to, I can't hear God, I'm in the middle of, like, she's in the middle of lepers and poverty and, like, disease. And, and, and she's like, okay, God, like, I'm right in the middle of this. I'm going to go back to the last thing you told me to do. For you, whatever that might be, whatever storm you're facing, whatever situation, just go back to the last thing you heard God tell you to do and continue to do that diligently. Because it's coming. Come on, It's coming. And that's the next thing that I observe in this scripture. As we continue to read in, verse chap- in chapter 25, it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I find it significant that Jesus was already moving towards the disciples before they even realized they needed his help. I find it even more significant, and I can feel the Spirit of God upon me right now because you've got to get the full context of this, this moment. The disciples are about five and a half kilometers in the middle of a lake, right? At four o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black, and in one of the other Gospels, it says Jesus saw them in the middle of the night straining against the wind and the waves. Can I tell you, can I tell someone tonight, God sees you in your mess. God sees you in your situation. No matter how dark it seems, no matter how uh, how bad that diagnosis, no matter how dark the thoughts in your head, God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. He, he's moving towards you already, even though you haven't even prayed for anything yet. God, there's an answer coming. And when we step out and we step up and we find ourselves in the middle of this, you've got to know that God's in the middle of it with you. God's coming towards you and you didn't even know it yet. You might not have even prayed it yet. But, uh, oh man, you, you're not getting this like I'm getting it. Because if you got it, you'd be like cheering or something like, God sees you right now. God knows you right now. You're in a bit of a situation and a circumstance right now that goes, hey, I'm in five kilometers away from land, either side. They're in the middle. Isn't it funny that the enemy would choose right at that moment when you're furthest away from anything that you heard God say from either the start or the finish to come at that moment with resistance? Isn't it significant that right in that moment when you feel the furthest away from any point of safety that Jesus is already on his way towards you to provide an answer for you in your situation, in your circumstance? Woo! Come on. I'm telling you, no matter how dark the situation, no matter how bad the diagnosis, Jesus sees you. And he's moving towards you already. 
your answer is on the way. His name is Jesus. You don't need anything else when he's your answer. You don't need anything else. Your answer is not limited to normal delivery process either. He walked on water. (laughs) Man, I wish I could walk on water. Wouldn't that be cool? Come on, he split the Red Sea for someone. Come on, he split the Red Sea for the Israelites. Come on, fire fell from heaven. Delivery process isn't normal in God's vocabulary. The axe head in the bottom of the river floated to the top. Come on, the oil in the jar didn't run out. The feeding of the 5,000 merely minutes, maybe hours beforehand, like normal delivery process really isn't God's specialty. He, ex- he exceeds and he is abundantly just over the top in the way that he comes through for us. But what I find significant is that we have to keep choosing Jesus. This is my next point. You have, this is the next observation I make. We have to keep choosing Jesus. It would be tempting in the middle to keep going without continuing to seek Jesus. It would be tempting in the middle, even knowing that maybe the answer is coming. But even if we didn't know, it would be tempting in the middle to keep going without continuing to seek Jesus. Now, I'm not denying what I said just before about just go back to the last thing you heard because we've got to do that. But we should also, in the midst of what we're doing, continue to look for Jesus, continue to seek him in, in, in the very day-to-day stuff. Because I read here in the Scripture, if we go down to uh, verse 26, but when the disciples saw him walking on the, on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. In another, in another one of the Gospels, it says that they didn't recognize him. Here's Jesus, the answer that they were looking for, the answer that they needed, the person that could have solved all the problems, and they didn't recognize him. We have to keep looking for Jesus. We have to keep seeking Jesus in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of what's going on. Keep doing the last thing he told you to do, but keep looking for him in the process as well. Because he might just come in and provide the answer that you've been praying for. And it might not look like you were expecting it to look like with the storm stopping, but rather that he'd be with you in the midst of the storm. It's significant. And I love Peter's response. That when Jesus does come on the scene and they do recognize him, his response is, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. Because I'm willing to forsake the boat to be with you if you're on the water. Better to be on the water with Jesus than in the boat without him. Because, Because with Jesus, anything's possible. We have to keep choosing Jesus. Peter stepped out of familiarity. The boat was familiar to Peter. He was a fisherman. He knew the boat. He knew the waves even. He, he was familiar with all of it. But better to be with Jesus out on the water in unfamiliarity. And even if we want to dig a little bit deeper into this story, Peter, at the end of it, doesn't exactly... I mean, we've we got to give him more credit. He actually walked on water like... And he didn't like last the whole way, but it better to be with Jesus and have Jesus reach out and pull you back up than to be stuck in the boat. And we don't even talk about the other disciples in this story. We've got to be willing to keep choosing Jesus. Keep choosing Jesus. Keep fighting familiarity. I love what Pastor Mark says. He says, uh, honor is what creates room for the miraculous. Familiar- familiarity kills honor. Familiarity kills. Well, the moment you're familiar with something, you will no longer honor it. The moment I become too familiar with my wife, I no longer honor her. 
the moment we're too familiar with church and, oh, here we go, two, service, uh, two services on Sunday morning. It's just going to be three, maybe four songs, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to, uh, then they're going to preach. We're familiar. There's no longer, we're no longer positioned in honor, and they're no longer then positioned to see the miraculous take place in and through our lives. We have to keep choosing Jesus. We have to keep stepping out of familiarity into the next thing that he's calling us to do, even if that means walking on water. I pick walking on water every day. When we, keep choosing on Je- when we keep choosing Jesus, the very things that moments ago were against us become the very things that we walk on top of. Moments ago, the very wind and waves that were against Peter in the boat when he's rowing are now the very things that he's stepping on to walk towards Jesus because he kept choosing Jesus. Can I tell you the very thing that you're battling against now is going to be the platform that you walk on when you keep choosing Jesus? It's going to be the victory that you walk in because that you kept choosing Jesus. Keep choosing Jesus. Jesus brings, Jesus takes the mundane and makes it miraculous. This is the last thing I observe in this passage of Scripture is that Peter gets out of the boat. We're going down to verse uh, Verse 30, but when he saw the wind and waves, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Then verse 32, and when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. In another one of the Gospels, it says, it also says that not only did the wind cease, but they arrived on the other side of the lake immediately. Immediately. Crossing the lake in a boat, as Jesus asked, was mundane. Nothing special. And on the surface, that's all it was. But with the moment Jesus was in the boat, it was miraculous. Because the wind ceased, the storm stopped, and they were immediately arrived where they were meant to be. I want to speak to someone tonight who, someone here tonight, and you're worried about, you've run out of time. You're worried that there's been a delay, or there's been a, a detour, or there's been a, and I, I, can, I can relate. But with Jesus, you're going to arrive on time. Ephesians says that he redeems the time. And when the moment he's in your boat, the moment you keep choosing him, and the moment you bring him into your, your mundane, he's going to miraculous. And you're going to arrive with him on time. And that goes for all of us here tonight. That the moment we bring Jesus into our mundane, you know that thing that you're slogging against, that workplace that you're just time and time, you're just doing the grind, just doing the grind. If you bring Jesus into the mundane, it's going to become the miraculous. You could see revival take place in your workplace. You could see the Spirit of God come upon you in a mighty way that sees your boss come to say, that, that, that your co-workers are saved, that, that your whole workplace then begins to turn towards Christ. And, 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 and in fact, it moves its whole business strategy to outworking the kingdom of heaven in its sphere of influence. Like that's, that's what happens when you bring Jesus into the mundane? Maybe it's bringing Jesus into your parenting. Maybe it's bringing Jesus into into your studies, that whatever you do represents Jesus in such a way that he turns the, the mundane into the miraculous. Tonight, the same invitation that was to Peter is to us tonight as well to come. Come on this journey. Step up, step out. And maybe tonight that looks a little bit different for, 
for each and every one of us. And, and I want to speak firstly to the people who um, you're hearing me tonight and we're talking about Jesus. And, and you'd, you'd say to yourself, I, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. I'm, I'm actually, uh, I've heard of him maybe in, in other settings, but, but not like you guys are talking to him. And, and we're talking about a God who, he didn't just do the miraculous in this story, but there's another story in the Bible where Jesus takes on the mundane entirely and, and takes on even death itself for our sake. And he, took, he, he, he died for us that we might live with him. And his invitation, even from that point, is still the same. Come, would you, would you join me? And I'd invite everyone right now just to bow your heads and close your eyes. We've got a bit of time. This is good because I want to pray for some people. But if you're here tonight and you're hearing me say, Dan, I don't know this Jesus, but I'd like to. I, I don't know what's going on when you talk about Jesus using me and having a call and a purpose for my life and, and meeting me in my, my dark times and, and coming towards me, even though I haven't asked him to. And, and I, 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 but I want to know that, Jesus, if that's you tonight, would you just be real brave and just, what, just stick up your hand and say, yeah, Dan, that's me. Is there anyone here tonight who wants to do that? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, I want to pray for some people, the two, two groups of people I want to pray for. There's the people here tonight, you, you feel like um, through delay or detour or, or whatever, that you're running out of time. Maybe you've missed that opportunity. Missed, you feel like you've missed the boat. I want to pray for you tonight. And there's another group of people who feel like you're in the middle of a storm and you can't be reached. You can't be gotten to. You're, you're too far gone. You're too far out. I want to talk to you because Jesus wants to come to you in whatever way that is. If we could all just stand to our feet. I don't need to do anything. It's not my prayer that changes anything. It's, it's us together that collectively believe that Jesus wants to do something in and through your life. If, if you're one of those two groups of people, can you just put up your hand? Real quick, say, yeah, Dan, that's me. I feel like maybe I've missed it. Maybe I've, maybe I've gone too far. Maybe it's been too long. Maybe the time's passed. Or, or, hey, I'm in the middle of something right now, and I don't know how I'm getting out of it. If you see a hand around you, can you turn around and just, just, just gather around these people with hands up? Gather around them, because we're going to pray together as the church and believe that God in, in His sovereignty, in His power, in His miraculous working power, wants to do something in these situations and circumstances. Come on, let's believe right now for miracles to take place. Father God, I just begin to pray right now that Your hand, Your sovereign hand of power, of love and might will begin to minister, begin to work, begin to outwork itself in these situations and circumstances. I thank You that time is being redeemed in Jesus' name. I thank You, Father God, that You're beginning to move people further into destiny. I I begin to declare right now in the mighty name of Jesus, situations are are turning around. Circumstances are beginning to shift in the mighty name of Jesus.